You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Illustrated, Matt Coulter, a former Alabama Broadcaster of the Year and longtime media personality, and Christian Miller, a national championship winning linebacker at Alabama who was drafted by the Carolina Panthers. Here's Lars, Matt, and Christian. myself to a very high standard in everything that I do and um, I think obviously I, I try and control the things that I can and you know I touch the ball every play so um, obviously want to protect it but um, you know it, um, it, it did hurt us it hurt us you know you, you never know what play it would be but um, it hurt us um, you know I you look, you look back and you want to reflect on the things. Maybe you could have done something more. Maybe you could have um, tried and done something, excuse me, to change the outcome of the game. And, you know, that's the way it was. It's not the one I described. Hey, there we are. Welcome to the show. Super Bowl 57 is in the books, the record books, and... The Kansas City Chiefs defeat the Philadelphia Eagles by a score of 38-35. to Just a great football game all the way around. Uh, I enjoyed it. Had some people over. You know, had some, you know, some beverages, some food. It was, it was really, really enjoyable. And I hope this doesn't sound too critical, but I didn't like the way it ended. You know, I, I know Kansas City played their hand perfectly, but I really wanted Hertz to have like maybe a minute left and he could drive, you know, field goal range, whatever the case may be. And I still, even though it worked perfectly, I still, the taking the knee, I, mean, I understand it. It worked out well. But there's something about that that just kind of gets me. But anyway, there are a lot of things to observe, a lot of things to talk about. Uh, I'll just run off a few here. Um, the, the turf was horrible, but the thing about that is it was horrible for both teams. So take that for what it is. Uh, I, I guess it's like it's, if it were raining real hard, it's raining on both teams. Uh, a guy from 8 Mile, Alabama, made two of the biggest plays. A guy named Kadarius Tony caught a touchdown, and I think what might have been the biggest play of the game was a punt return. Guess who that was? An unknown, undrafted player, a quarterback from Blunt High School. He did go to Florida now, so, I mean, he's he, he has some history there. But uh, that punt return was a real backbreaker for Philadelphia. Um, then James Bradbury, the guy that uh, was defending on that uh, critical pass interference call, how would he say it was? 
ticky-tack call at the most wait, important wait, 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 wait. juncture of the game. But he said I'm so he sick of referees. I'm, I, I, I'm like, I've, and Matt, I've never been one of those people who always complains about the refs. But this is just ridiculous. Ridiculous. That call? And, yes. Then why would he say it was a hold? Because you know what? He was he was manning up. I mean, he's not he's not gonna go in there in the locker room and, and face uh the cameras and microphones and say he didn't do it when clearly he he did. I mean there was there was a subtle hold. I mean, I can't yeah. wait to get Christian's interpretation of this. But it, there was a subtle hold there. Yeah. And uh, for the referees to let them play all night long, did they ever call one thing, anything remotely like that all night long? The answer is no. And then for the referee at uh, or, or one of the refs at, at the most important juncture of the game to essentially hand the Chiefs the victory in what could have gone down as one of the greatest Super Bowls in history, instead we get this dull thud of an ending. And and you know I what? Agree with that. And, and and did you see how the Chiefs reacted when uh, their kicker made the field goal? The was, su- subdued. Yeah, it wasn't like massive celebration. No, but didn't Kansas City, as far as clock and play calling, didn't they call that perfectly? I don't like the going down and not going into the end zone. Guy could have scored easily, couldn't he? Uh, it but ended it, up working out well. It for worked him. out well for him. But do, do you, you like the, that? Do but you, do you like that? Do you think the better team won last night? Uh, yeah. In the end, I the, do the, not. They hung the Eagles in their own nest in the second half. I mean, Kansas City played unbelievable in the second half. Well, here's the deal. This game was decided on two plays, and you nailed it. Number one, the fumble return for a touchdown, which is possibly a 14-point swing. Yeah, I would agree. And then Philadelphia had all the momentum. And then and, and that was a horrible play by Hertz. No question. He really wasn't even punched the ball when he punched out or he, he, he just, just lost of, it he just lost it uh very untypical uh, of Jalen otherwise he, he played he played a beautiful game he was going to be the MVP as a matter of fact you take away that one play you and I have been watching Jalen since he's been 18 years old that's the best he's ever played in his life I think so and it was evident early that first drive it was surgical. Boom, 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 boom. And, and as a matter of fact, most of his drives were. And then they drive down, get the touchdown, then he runs it in for two. And then the uh, other the other key play was what you mentioned, Kadarius Tony. Yeah, uh, the, punt, just, the punt return essentially for a touchdown. So that's uh, so couldn't you so see that's that basically like watching on, just to, just as, as a point of note here. Couldn't you see that return opening up when he got outside? Yeah. Uh, and I haven't read anything on that, but I think that was called. That was a called return. They'd seen something. They knew something. Anyway, I, I interrupted you. Go ahead. But so that's fourteen stolen points, basically, that the Chiefs got, and um, in 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 uh, again, the Philadelphia punter messed up. 
You can't hit a line drive punt in the Super Bowl. You can't hit a line drive punt in high school. <laughs> you either angle it right. right toward the uh, sideline or you get massive hang time, so it's a fair catch and it's a 40-yard kick. Kadarius Tony is too dangerous. You can't give that to him, Matt. I really hadn't seen that kid play. He started the year with the Giants, didn't he? Hands up? Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it nobody's was... heard of the guy, and he, he makes the biggest play in the Super Bowl. All right. Uh, we could go all over the place, and we will. But uh, almost teared up a couple of times. Um, when they showed the camera of Nick Sirianni with tears rolling down his face during the National Anthem, and I was standing, I'm, I, I stand up during the National Anthem in my house, and uh, that blew me away. And then I think this happened a little bit before that. When DeMar Hamlin came onto the field, all glassed up and just wearing cool clothes. What a remarkable story. Do you think more people will remember the season for that or Kansas City winning the Super Bowl? Oh, for those two images, for sure. And um, seeing the uh, head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, Tears flowing down his cheeks like candle wax. Listening to the national anthem. And they had given a little bit of uh, context to that before. Um, in, 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 uh, on the telecast saying that he really admired Whitney Houston and her rendition, what is known as the greatest national anthem of all time even though it was pre-recorded. But, um, yeah, no, it, I mean, that was genuine. But you know what I thought, too, when I saw that? I got to say, you're not going to like this. I was like, uh-oh, I think Philly might be in trouble. Really? Just because I've never seen a head coach cry before Wait, a game. Neither have I. It's an emotional never moment, in my life. though. No. Anytime you hear that, when you... When oh, no. When I like when I get, I I have a, a you know a whirlwind of emotions when I when I hear that and that national anthem before you play just because you just think of just just how much of a blessing it is to be in that situation I mean I don't know if I've had tears running down my face but um, definitely it's, it, it, I will say it is emotional then you think about him a young head coach coaching a big game like that like the Super Bowl I mean I can only imagine what he was experiencing. Well, he made me experience it big time. Oh. No, it it was beautiful, and it, but 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 it, it was weird, Christian. I I just thought uh, this could mean that Philly's in trouble, and 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 I don't even know why, but uh, I don't know if you want your head coach projecting that right before the whoa, game. Whoa, I mean, I, I, I respect it. That means, if anything, I think that means it, it, it shows how big that moment is to him and how much he just appreciates being there. I mean, I'd want to go ride for a coach like that. That means this game means a lot to him. That means he's passionate about this football game, and I, I'm going to go play for a coach like that. I don't give a damn if he's crying or not. That means he's ready to roll. That's that's how I interpret that, though. Yeah, that thought never even crossed my mind. No, it's fair. It's fair. <laughs> I, like, and and I, 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 hey, I'm just being honest with you guys. Yeah, like, no, I don't no, know I respect, why. I no, I respect that. that. I'm just I'm telling uh, you the way it's I just, perceive. It's just because it's unprecedented. I, I've just never seen it before. Have you seen the video of is it Lashawn McCoy or I could be wrong? Somebody is uh, one of the players years ago. I mean, he had tears literally run, like raining down his face. 
It might have been uh, uh, Shady McCoy. Yeah, it was. It was. It was all. It was all real, real cool. And we hadn't even gotten to halftime or the commercials. You know why? Because we're not going to. Thank you. <laughs> oh, and it was a hold. Loss. I don't think I. By the way, it was a hold. Uh, I didn't like the call just oh because. God, are we going to do this again, moment. Christian? Are we doing this again? Hey, listen, you know, it's you know, a hold. A hold is a hold. It doesn't matter if they called it early on or not. Unfortunately, it's at the ref's discretion. If it, you have, uh, if, I don't know if you guys know this, but there's refs designated for each part of the field, certain battles. Like there's literally refs that are designated to watch the receiver battles, the receiver in the corner. Like their eyes are on that. There's a ref that watches the line of scrimmage. There's a ref for everything. So if that ref is watching that. He's designated to call that call. He can't just if he sees that, he has to call it, or else I mean that's just cheating. So I know it sucks because I hated it. I didn't want them to go down like that. But unfortunately, if if the hold occurs and the ref sees it, he's liable to call it. Now I'm I'm sure there's times they wait, they, they wait, let on, things Christian, slide. Christian, aren't you the same guy? Christian, you, you, you've told me that you basically got held on every single play. A hundred percent. You're rushing the passer. A hundred percent. But you got to understand a one-on-one matchup. So the, with that, the receiver ran a whip route. It's where you you go hard inside, you stop on a dime, and you cut back out really quick. And sometimes you turn it up into a wheel route. That's what he was running in a corner. If you're not expecting that, you're going to get burnt like toast because it, the receiver is stopping on a dime like that. And you have they they even tell you like if you're about to get beat like that, normally just take the penalty because a penalty is better than a touchdown. The issue is in that certain situation. The touchdown actually would have been better. You actually want to give them that touchdown because then you have about a minute left to go down and drive and try to, to match the score. Instead, they they did the right thing. Matt, I know you didn't like it, but that's what you're supposed to do. You don't oh, I, take the touchdown. You don't go out yeah. of bounds. You drain the clock. You take the field goal, and you protect that lead. It, it Again, it's an anticlimactic ending, but it's textbook by the Chiefs. They played it perfectly, and I, it, I, I hate it for the Eagles, but sometimes that's the way the cookie crumbles. Your dad will be on in just a few minutes, and we'll ask him about the hold and about the Super Bowl and all of the things that went along with it as we continue on Big Noon Sports. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Come join our crew. Visit DCH's Mardi Gras-themed nurse recruitment event on Thursday, February 16th from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. at Harris. Sunny, the high 68. Wednesday, mostly cloudy and mild. A good chance of showers during the day, possibly a thunderstorm. The high 73. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 63 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Now, I mean, the way he stepped up on this stage um, and ran through the ball, whatever it took for his team to win, I mean, that was a special performance. That I, I don't want to get, lo- I don't want it to get lost in the in the the loss that they had. I mean, even in, whenever we got all the momentum in that game and and we went up eight points in the fourth quarter, for him to respond and move his team right down the football field and run it in himself for the two point conversion, it was a special performance by him, man. And uh, I mean, it, you make sure you appreciate that when you look back on this game. What a cool thing for him to say. That Patrick Mahomes talking about Jalen Hurts and showing him his due respect. And I thought that was really, really cool. And I thought Patrick Holmes proved himself to be the MVP, although I wouldn't have voted for him earlier.
but he certainly played like it in the second half. Yeah, and um, hey, Christian, let me let me ask you, um, since you are friends with Jalen Hurts, you've known Jalen for a long time, I said at the very top of the show that uh, uh, I think this was the single best game he's played in his career. Uh, just your thoughts and analysis of Jalen's performance last night in the Super Bowl. I thought he was tremendous. I think it was one of his better performances, if not the best. You know, twenty-seven to thirty-eight, uh, three hundred yards. You know, I think he ran for three scores. Um, I mean, and threw one. Uh, I mean, Jalen played. You know, phenomenal. I, I think. You know, yeah, you look at the the fumble and, and Lars, you're exactly right. You got that right. It is a 14 point swing, uh, potentially because that takes seven away from the Eagles that they could have potentially scored, and it gave the Chiefs seven. So that that is how you would calculate that. It's a 14 point swing. That that is, um, you know, pivotal in a game like this. And you can't say, oh, you know, that that cost in the game. I, I don't even. I'm, I'm not even going to go as far as saying that holding cost in the game. I'm I'm a firm believer. You heard the head coach for the uh, Eagles say that one play never defines a football game. Right. I mean, there's so many other plays and factors that go into it. Um, but, you know, that, that was a costly error. Um, but other than that, I mean, I mean, he looked like he was, you know, going to be the MVP of the game. Um, and I think, it's, again, it's just a testament of just how well he just fits in this offense and, and, and just how, how capable he is in this offense. I mean, we saw him, his ability to run the ball with their RPO game. You know, they, they really did a great job. You know, they, they used some tempo early on, um, really had the Chiefs struggling. Their defense was having a hard time stopping it. Um, and, and, and really, early on, you just thought they were just going to have their way uh, with this Chiefs defense, and, and they kind of did. The problem was Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, um, we're matching them. And that's what I, I said this last week. I thought it was going to be a back-and-forth type of game, a shootout, and it's going to come down to it. And that's pretty much what happened. Uh, I think I said my key was the Eagles' defense had to neutralize Travis Kelsey. Well, they didn't. And I guess a surprise to me was I thought the Eagles' pass rush was going to be a lot more of a factor than it actually was. Um, so you have to tip your hat to the offensive line of the Chiefs. They did a phenomenal job neutralizing that pass rush. Um, but the game planning also assisted in that. You look at, you know, the, the screen game that the Chiefs use, the quick passes, doing things um, to kind of, you know, help thwart a, a thriving pass rush. That's what you have to do. You have to do quick passes and screen games. And then, you know, when you do throw it long, protect your quarterback. So um, all in all, just a phenomenal game um, through and through. But you, you're 100% right. Jalen, you know, played his tail off. He, I mean, I don't know how much more he could have done. I think the the Eagles defense really should have stepped up and, and helped him out a little bit. But um, at the end of the day, he's mature. I know it hurts for him. You know, he worked his tail off all season to get to that point and to come up short. I know nobody uh, feels as bad as he does. But um, knowing his maturity and the way he responds to things, I, I don't see him taking this um, anything less than a than a learning lesson and using this as fuel and motivation to to help. Um, transcend him and his his career moving forward because I, I I truly believe that this is going to be a defining moment moment for him him as a player and as a person and uh, I have no doubt that he will be back um, in that, that that Super Bowl contention and uh, I hope he does get him at least one throughout his career because he's deserving and he's showed um, that he's he's here to stay and uh, if anybody is doubting him still then I don't know what you're watching because this guy's man he he is a tremendous quarterback and I. I'd love to have him on my team any day of the week and twice on Sunday. All right. Let's travel through the mists of time to last year. <laughs> and it, it, it's remarkable, the similarities with what happened. Last year, the Bengals are beating the Rams 20-16. to 16. 
There's less than two minutes remaining in the game. And it looks like the Bengals just came up with a huge stop in the red zone. Their linebacker, Logan Wilson, who's really good, he batted down a pass that was intended for Cooper Cup on a third and eight. Just like last night, it was a third and eight. Logan Wilson bats the ball down, and yet he was called for holding. And yes, it did appear that he did grab Cooper Cup's jersey, but you know what? The entire night... The refs didn't call that. And th- the same thing happened last night to James Bradbury. Third and eight. Less than two minutes to go. <laughs> I mean, uh, and, and, and they call uh, defensive holding, and that just, it, it ends the game. Um, uh, Christian, again, like, I've never been that guy who blames the refs. But man, two years in a row. Yeah. The referees had the a, a key call by the refs and I would I would define or describe both of these calls as ticky tacky, meaning uh it's it's less it's not even 50-50. Like, you, well, just I, let them play. You, you have, let them let them play. I'm I'm for all you know, letting guys play and whatnot. But again, if if a foul occurs and the ref sees it, you know, it's at his discretion to call it or not. And I don't know if you saw the other angle, but it's not the uh, you might be mixed. It's not the left hand of Bradbury that that was the hold. It was the initial hold when the receiver initially ran that whip route with his right hand. He tugs yeah. the jersey. If you see the other no, angle, yeah, you can, and you can you're see right. it's a clear. And, I mean, he, and he said. Yeah, he, he, yeah, he pulled you're the right. jersey. He, he, and, he said after the game, I I, t- I tugged his jersey. I'd hoping I was hoping they'd let it slide. All right, let's get our official big noon sports answer. Corey Miller, how are you today? Great Super Bowl. We got to cut straight to the first question because we've all been going back and forth. Hold or no? Yeah, I've been listening. I've been listening to okay. you. And good morning, you know. by the way. Hope you. Hope you're doing great. Yeah, it was a hold. I mean, listen, I'm a defensive player, and I will be the first to argue, oh, you know, that isn't the right call. But by the letter of the law and just by looking at it, I mean, as Christian was talking about, that that whip route, uh, sometimes we used to call it the F angle where you want to go hard inside and get the defender to squat inside and then break outside, and that could turn into a wheel route, depending on what the safety does over the top as well. He held him. When you impede someone's progress, you know, I heard somebody say, oh, he's throwing it away. No, he's throwing it to the corner of the end zone. And if you pull him, you, you impede his progress, guys. And what happens on the holding call, it's just like offensive and defensive linemen. If we can call holding on every play. If the offensive line keeps his hands on the inside and he tugs and pulls, that never really gets called much. Nope. If he extends and they show the jersey, officials are going to call that most 90% of the time. 90% of the time, that's going to get called. And that's what happened. He pulled his jersey once, and then he turned him again. So he really held him twice. So it was the right call. It, everybody's been saying it. It sucked that the game ended that way. But from the you know person that's watching, from the viewer, I get it. It's frustrating. It shouldn't have been called. I haven't been calling that all game. It's ticky-tack, as you said, Lars. But at the same time, it's the right call. Officials not sitting there and going, well, well, we haven't called this all game, so I'm not going to blow the whistle on this. 
then we would have had the, the opposite conversation. Everybody on the other side, Kansas City side, would have been saying, that's a horrible call. We've been high, uh, none call. We've been highlighting it, putting the picture up, showing the tug, showing the pool. Nobody would have won on this situation. It's, it's, it, listen, guys, it's just what happens in the course of the game. Officials are human. Sometimes I know they make some horrible mistakes. I don't think this was one. I think it was the right call. And if you, uh, if you Burberry, Bradbury, excuse me, you got to play the call. You got to play it. And if you mess up, that's what you're taught to do. Take him down. Hold him. You know, live to play again. Or in that situation, let him score. Yep. You get the ball back. So you have to – it's all these um, situations, game time situations that you practice all the time, even in those circumstances, guys. And James Bradbury made a crucial mistake. It wasn't that that would cost him the game. It wasn't. I mean, how about defending the punt? How about don't let the guy uh, have the longest punt return in Super Bowl history? How about Jalen, when he switched the ball, hold on to it. Now he played great. But you can't discount. That was huge. That was the game. You, when you're playing Patrick Mahomes, the GOAT, the greatest right now, at least, that's playing football, you can't make those types of mistakes. And like Jalen played masterful. Masterful, but at the same time, he made a huge mistake that nobody will really talk about. But that right there was crucial. They was on the verge of turning this game around. I mean, not turning around, but really extending the lead. They're up by seven. They're starting to drive. You know, that game could have been out of reach. But you fumble, you get a scoop and score. Game is tied. So there was other plays in that ball game to me that was more crucial than that one. Because that punt return, Corey, that scoop and score, that those were big. Corey, two quick questions uh, for you before we go to break. One, uh, if Bradbury doesn't make that slight little hold, and I think it was slight, um, is the pass completed? And two, given the circumstances, given the moment, don't you think the official should just eat the whistle at that at that time? I think it's dependent upon the official. I, I mean, listen, it was it was very clear. You know, it was a very clear, obvious hold. I don't think you can eat the whistle. It's too obvious. If it had been, if again, if the jersey or the t-shirt, whatever it was, had not been extended, I can see him saying, "Okay, I'm letting it go." But once that jersey gets out, everybody in America sees it. Everybody. So he has to make that call. I mean, he just has. I get it from our point of view, from watching. It's like, you know what? It really wasn't that bad. But when you impede the progress, and yes, he could have had a, a, a shot at catching that ball because it's right in the corner of the end zone. He's talking about three steps. I mean, that tug means that little quick tug. That's why quarterbacks do it. That's why linebackers do it. You know, if I can get away with that quick little tug, you know, it's yeah. a game of inches. Those couple of steps makes a big difference. So they're smart at doing that, but this time Bradbury just made a crucial mistake that cost him the game. It's not the officials. It was just the guys that were playing on the field. In this case, it was Bradbury. And Lars said at the top of the show, he owned it afterwards. You know, when asked about it, he said, yeah, it's a hold. So anyway, I, I give him kudos for that. Yep. More on the Super Bowl on Big Noon Sports coming up. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. 
Introducing Total by Verizon, a new prepaid wireless provider with no contract plans starting at just $30 a month. With Total by Verizon... Just a, a couple of stats. Many of you know this. Mahomes was 20 of 27, three touchdowns, 182 yards. He had a 131.8 rating. Jalen Hurts was 27 of 38, 304 yards, one touchdown. He had 70 yards rushing and three touchdowns. Uh, his quarterback rating was 103.4. One of the two of the biggest stats here, there are more. Mahomes was never sacked. And Kansas City never turned the ball over. Not that I gamble or anything, but the over over under on Patrick Mahomes' um total pass attempts, twenty nine point five. Somebody here took the over. And uh, Yeah, but you took another one. We'll discuss in a minute. Yeah. First, let's go father son here for a minute. Yeah, actually, yeah. No, we <laughs> in, in, in the break here we, we had we we, well, we just got, said let's turn it got, over to y'all. We've got we've got so many questions for you guys. <laughs> Uh, uh, I guess we'll start with Christian and then go to your dad. The field. What in the world was going on with that field? It, it, it had to be the worst field that uh, I've ever seen a Super Bowl played on. Yeah, uh, I'll be honest. I, I mean, without me being out there and playing on it, it's hard to really um, give too much. I'm just kind of going off what the players were saying. I I heard there was a lot of cleat changes um, to kind of help accommodate um, guys' footing and planting on, on the field. Um, but, yeah, uh, a lot of people said it was terrible. And uh, I, I think there were complaints prior to the Super Bowl about the field. Um, so surprising that there wasn't wasn't any accommodations or, or corrections made um, prior to this big game, the Super Bowl being played there. But um, I, I think they just need to do a better job, uh, you know, referring to the NFL in terms of having the correct playing surfaces uh, for players to – not only you know have you know a good surface to to really put your feet in the ground and, and perform the way you want to perform, but also to prevent um, injuries. I know they've done a lot of studies and there's a lot of mixed results, but at the end of the day, I mean, uh, certain fields do. Uh, I feel like you know, uh, kind of support more injuries, uh, so to speak, for athletes. So uh, I think um, there's no excuse to not have the the best uh, surface possible uh, when it's on. You're on the biggest stage possible in football, you know, referring to the Super Bowl. I mean, Corey, this your is a multi-billion dollar, yeah, multi-billion dollar company, the National Football League. It is the biggest sporting event every single year, right? And I heard that they have grown this grass for this field and manicured it and, and worked it and did everything they're supposed to do to make sure it was a very good playing surface. But it wasn't. I mean, it sucked. I mean, anytime you see that many players slipping and sliding and falling down and try to plant and cut. I mean, even the kicker, spell, the kicker fell down, right, when he was kicking the ball. I mean, it was horrible. I mean, sometimes you go to a game and get on the road, and I remember we'd take two pairs of cleats, you know, if the grass might have been grown a little longer, so you might want a longer cleat versus a shorter cleat that you can, you know, run. We've had that issue before where we had to change cleats. But, guys, this was horrible. This was terrible. This has been an issue with this field before. They've been talking about it. And to go out there and say, we did all this work, and then you're getting the same results. Uh, and Christian is right. You know, thank God nobody got hurt or you know, something like that that would have really cost the team, uh, you know, for some silly injury. But 
man, I mean, it was terrible. I mean, Chris, I think you guys played on, on that same field, right? When you guys played out there, I think Clemson, you played out there in Arizona. Um, yeah. I don't think it may have been the same surface, but. But it's not a bit, because I got two sacks my rookie it. year on that field. I didn't have a problem with it. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I won a national yeah. championship on that field. <laughs> we felt fine. Derrick Henry felt fine running on it. See, I don't know what they changed uh, on that field. They need to go back to whatever it was. Yeah, it, it was not good. So I, I agree with you, Lars. I mean, that that was a mess, and hopefully that, that they'll look more in detail with this situation. Oh, Lars, I thought you were going to keep right. asking us questions. I'm, I'm sorry. I can, I can go on. I thought, uh, I thought sorry, you yeah. No, yeah. you're good. I was going to ask my dad real quick, though. Now that Patrick Mahomes just got himself another Super Bowl victory, uh, obviously he also was named the MVP, um, is it safe to say he's on that, that trajectory of being the next GOAT um, following a guy by the name of Tom Brady? I, I know everybody's going to start talking about this, but, I, I mean, I think it's a fair conversation. I mean, I, the, what he's doing at such a young age is truly unprecedented. And do you think it's fair to go ahead and start saying, hey, he's on the right path to, to potentially catching a guy like Tom Brady? Well, you know, <laughs> this conversation is uh, I've been having me laughing a little bit all day. Listen, Patrick Mahomes, and I called him the GOAT myself because I think if I was starting a team with Tom Brady versus Patrick Mahomes right now, I'm going to take Patrick Mahomes every day, all day, twice on Sunday, because he is a much better physically gifted quarterback. Period. It's not even close, right? If I said, "Hey, you know, I'm gonna take," I got this team and Bill Belichick and blah 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 blah, then I'm gonna put Tom Brady more in that conversation. So yes, I'm saying he is in that conversation. He's won two Super Bowls in what six years or five years that he's been starting, I believe. He's all the AFC championships. He, he lost in another Super Bowl. I mean, if you go compare the starts, he's off to a much better uh, trajectory than Tom Brady. But listen, guys, it's, you can't sniff. You know, the, to get to the Super Bowl is hard. I played almost a decade, and I didn't ever sniff a Super Bowl, right, with some great players, Hall of Fame players. It's not that easy. I, I don't think people think about that. People just assume that, hey, you know what, he's a great talent, and and every year they're going to be there. Now, looking at the first five years, I would say, well, it looks that way. But, you know, you got Cincinnati. Here you go, Lord. I'll give me a shout-out. You got Cincinnati and Joe Burrow. Oh, uh, Lord. They're, they're, they're there. Be careful. Uh, Josh Allen, <laughs> Buffalo Bills. I mean, you look at all these, these quarterbacks that's in the AFC that's going to challenge them, that's going to get better. How long will Andy Reid continue to be a head coach? He's getting up there in age. So you got to look at all of these different things, guys. And factor those in. Is he great enough as an individual player to, to talk about GOAT status? Yes. But Tom Brady played 4,000 years. He played football when Jesus was walking the earth. Tom Brady was still running ISOs and Gronkowski <laughs> down the middle. You know, that's a long time to play. So you got to have some good coverage, some good blessings, some good fortune. A lot of things got to go into that. Yeah, he's already a Hall of Famer. Already. If he don't play another snap, he's Gale Sayers. He, this short-lived career, if he don't play one yeah. more snap, Patrick Mahomes is a Hall of Famer. But if he stays healthy and the Reed stays around, yeah, they're going to get back there some more. But let's not just think that these things are easy to get to and win. So I don't know if he'll get to seven or more, but he's definitely going to get to more Super Bowls. I just don't know how many. 
I will I will say this. Uh, Joe Burrow, he's still in the head of Patrick Mahomes' father. Because after, <laughs> oh after the game... <laughs> After what? the game, Patrick Mahomes' dad, oh, he's smoking man. a cigar, and he's like, yep, I'm still smoking Joe Burrow, but now I'm going to call this my Philly Blunt. <laughs> uh, oh, God. He looked like he was having a good time. He was having a good time. He was having a good time. All right, we'll continue our good time on Big Noon Sports. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. If you're living with diabetes and using insulin, you know the pain of pricking your fingers over and over again. Ouch. Well, by wearing a small remote device called a continually sunny, the high 68. Wednesday, mostly cloudy and mild. A good chance of showers during the day, possibly a thunderstorm, the high 73. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 64 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Back on Big Noon Sports, Matt Coulter, Lars Anderson, Christian Miller, and his dad, Corey Miller, who played in the Super Bowl in nine years in the National Football League. Corey, I'll start with you on this one. How in the world was Travis Kelsey so open so often when basically every other uh, wide receiver slash tight end for Kansas City was banged up? Like, I, I I don't get it, and and I, I and I think most like common regular fans like me didn't understand like why is Kelsey so wide open all the time? You know, Lars, I think when you look at it again, the Andy Reid factor, right? Uh, the scheme, Patrick Mahomes, these guys are so on point when it comes to running offense that they know how to get him open. They understand the defense. You notice that they move him around. He's flexed out. He's short motions in. Sometimes he's in the box. He's in the U. He motions across the formation. He comes back across. I mean, they have so many different angles and different things that they can do to you based on how you are trying to defend them that he gets open. And then even when you've got him covered, he does such a great job of moving a step here to the right or to the left to get open, and Mahomes finds him. I mean, you know, he'll come across, he'll, he'll stop and start, you know, the little sluggo basically across the middle of the formation. But I think overall it's the play calling of Eric Bieniemy, of Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes. They, don't, they talk about all the time how they work on these things. Sometimes they just get creative. And when Patrick starts to scramble, extend plays, you know, off-schedule plays, he knows how to get open. He knows where he's going to be at. Now, they just on point, man, and – and I'm telling you, he, to me, and I went up against tight ends all my career because I played Sam linebacker, strong outside linebacker, over the tight end, what we call the run strength. Um, you know, I played against the Shannon Sharps. I played against all these big-time tight ends. I've seen the Ozzie Newsoms and all these other folks. This guy is the best, in my opinion. Gronkowski would be probably 1B, but he's the best uh, to play the game. He's just so smart. Now, he's he can block. He's not known as a devastating blocker, but, man, when you're talking about the art of route running, the art of getting open and understanding offense and knowing where to sit down by understanding defenses, uh, the dude is just incredible. Christian, your analysis, same question. 
Oh, I mean, I, I, I second everything that he said. I mean, look, Travis Kelsey's the, the top tight end in the National Football League, hands down. Um, and that's what I was talking about on Friday in, in terms of trying to neutralize him. It's just tough because a tight end is – a talented tight end uh, that has a prototypical size, I, I mean, they're so tough to defend, right, because these guys are 6'5", sometimes taller. You know, they're 245-plus pounds. Um, but these guys can run. They're great route runners, and so they're mismatched nightmares. You can flex them out, and you line them up in the slot, they can put their hand in the dirt. Um, so you're asking linebackers to have responsibility to cover these guys. You're asking uh, who, which linebackers aren't, you know, they're, they're good athletes, especially nowadays, a lot more athletic than they used to be, but still, you know, it, it's hard for them to match up with a guy like Travis Kelsey. Then you, you ask a safety, a strong safety. Uh, he's too small to try to match up with that guy. I mean, so... And then you look at the chemistry that they have. I mean, these guys are like best friends off the field, number one. But if you watch just the way they play, I mean, it's just they have such a strong chemistry. They get each other. Like my dad was just saying, like, uh, you know, Travis, you know, when, when Mahomes is doing the scramble drill, you know, they always teach defenders to plaster your man, you know, hang on to your guy. But, you know, Travis just finds, always finds the right pockets to get open. You know, when they're playing, when he's going against his own defense, he's always finding those gaps. And, and, and Mahomes just connects with them instantly. So, I mean, it's – and it's 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 tough to to really you know put your finger on it other than just to say I mean he's just he's just he's special you know I mean it's it's hard to find guys like this but I think it goes to show you if you look uh, one commonality between a, a lot of teams that have great success they always have a, a great tight end you look at Georgia they got Brock Bowers they've been having great success Tom Brady when he had success who do you have Rob Gronkowski who does Pat Mahomes have Travis Kelsey there there is not a price tag on a, a tight end that is as effective as these type of guys, the Gronkowski's and the Travis Kelsey's, because, because again, they're mismatched nightmares in the red zone. They throw the ball up to them. They're going to catch it over these, these guys. When you need those, those third and longs and first downs, they're always finding a way to get open because they're mismatched nightmares. So I, I think if you're looking to build a team, it goes to show you that, Hey, if there's a great tight end out there, get him because he's going to be effective and he's going to help create ways and matchups for for you to get big plays, big chunk plays, and, and ultimately score touchdowns. Well, let me say this too, real quick. Corey, not the fact that okay, sure. Trent Differ said this, and uh, people got mad at him. But we talked about he's not impressed with these offenses. The one reason you can't reroute anymore, you can't get your hands on these guys and, and mug them. We used to call them mug them at the line of scrimmage. They're getting a bunch of free releases down the field. Based on the way offenses are played today, you cannot let guys get free releases. But the system, the the, the rules state that you have to. And, and so I agree with what Trent Dilfer said, that, you know, the, you can't hit quarterbacks. You can't get all I mean, they jump in the snap count with offensive tackles. All this stuff is set up for offense. This is why, too, these guys are being are very successful. Hey, real quickly, were you were you surprised or maybe even disappointed by the the play of uh, the Eagles' offensive line because uh, KC outrushed the Eagles by about fifty yards? <laughs> yeah, I was surprised. I thought they were going to have a hard. We got time. sixty I seconds. I might have even said that. I thought that um, they would have a hard time running the football. But Patrick Mahomes phenomenal. Uh, they utilize those backs, McKinnon and the others. Uh, uh, Pacheco, amazing. But, hey, the game was won in the trenches. Phillies D-line, no sack. Give the credit to the O-line of the Chiefs, man. They balled out. Uh, Ten, Pacheco's, uh, man, he can get to the corner. He not as fast as the other number ten, like the year before, and Tyreek Hill. But uh, right. he can get to the corner. <laughs> 
Uh, he, he slashed Eagles a little bit. Hey, Corey, you're the man. Thank you. Pastor of pain. Thank you, Corey. And there you have. More Big Noon Sports coming up next hour. We talk to Brian Passink about Alabama's big win at Auburn. Searching for fun ways to spend your tax return? Boats for cats. Oh, flotation devices for cats. Don't waste it all on something silly. Spend smarter with Straight Talk. Welcome back to Big Noon Sports with Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, and Christian Miller. I think um, I think there's always a lot to learn from, and we get the opportunity to reflect on some of the things we didn't do, um, could have done, but um, you know I think um, there's, there's a lot to learn from from it. There's Jalen Hurts once again. Such a class guy. Loved everything about him except the fact that, uh, you know, they didn't win it. And uh, just a crucial, crucial penalty. Uh, I mean, fumble. And then there was the penalty, which was front of mind. Was that a Freudian slip on my part? <laughs> I, I was just really struck once again by Jalen's eloquence after the game and talking about, you know, learning from the agony uh, learning from the heartbreak, it was almost as if we were hearing from Nick Saban. <laughs> um, and, and, and Christian, this got me thinking. Um, you know, I, I flew across the country this morning, and I, I was uh, in O'Hare at about 6 a.m., uh, and, and two guys had taken a red eye from Phoenix, and uh, man, they were still just so fired up about that call in the game. And that got me thinking, do do players get over games and, and losses faster than fans sometimes? I mean, I, I know it's probably an impossible question to ask you because <laughs> uh, you're not you're, – I, I, and I always do this to you, and I'm sorry. No, Christian, no, you're fine. But, but because, you're not, because you're not a fan. I mean, you're, you're a former player. Uh, but it seems to me that fans often can't get over it as quick as players. Yeah, that is a tough question to answer. But I'll say from experience, I don't know if it's necessarily getting over it. I think we just know how to, to manage it and handle it a little bit differently than, than fans might, so to speak, right? Because, I mean, I, I get, again, I don't really exactly know how a fan necessarily handles it. But what I imagine is when I hear or see – guys who were you know at the bar watching they were fired up and then you know disappointed and you know they're just talking about man this guy sucks this like so that that's how they talk about it and handle it but as a player um for instance like when we lost in the national championship game i mean it wasn't like oh we just got over it it's just at the end of the day you just have to learn from it and you have to to move on to the next thing that doesn't mean we're over it i mean hell i still think about when we lost uh, to Clemson on that pick play in Tampa. I still think about my senior year that I couldn't go out there and play 
because of my torn hamstring. So that was a and penalty. We, and we got thwarted. It wasn't a penalty last night, but it okay. yeah, was in game. Look, it was a that, penalty. Yeah, that was an illegal pick play. I mean, the guy literally like dove at Marlon's knees and then set a screen, so to speak. But, yeah, I, I don't know if it's necessary we get over it faster. Since you might not also really see it, right? Like, I mean, what are we going to go on a tangent on social media talking about how we just lost? I mean, anything we say or do is subject to be put on headlines, right? So I'm sure these guys prior today are waking up like, Dang, man. You know what I mean? Like, I know they are. I mean, it's tough. Like, you you as an athlete, you put so much into this. Like, people don't understand. That's why the whole script thing is hilarious. Like, I'm like, somebody asked me that. Oh, is it really scripted? I'm like, do you think guys would spend their life in their whole day, night, training, eat, sleep, everything you do? Like, when I play, like, everything I ate mattered. The way I slept mattered. The way I approached meetings mattered. The way I went to practice mattered. The way I took care of my body mattered. Everything about my life. Do you think we would do that? to just follow a piece of paper <laughs> like, is comical. But yeah, that's a great question, Lars. I think it's just as an athlete, you, you know, it's part of the game. You win some, you lose some. And, and these, when it matters the most, especially losing kind of the last second, oh, it's the worst because you're so close, but I- so close. And it's going to stick with them forever. I mean, you ask Coach Saban, you think about the, the times you lost more than the times you won. Like I immediately think to when we lost to Clemson, before I think about us beating Georgia in the national championship or beating Clemson in 2015, that's just how it goes. I, I think it bears repeating what Jalen Hurts had to say after the game, and I'll just read the quote. Quote, I think the beautiful part about it is everyone experiences different pains. Everyone experiences different agonies in life, but you decide if you want to learn from it. You decide if you want to be a teachable moment. I know that I do. I mean, how much, uh, Matt, uh, what's the, magnanimity does it take for a young man uh, uh, like Jalen Hurst, uh, Hurst to say something like that in the shadow of this crushing heartbreak? Class. He was raised well and he's coached well. Yeah. Would you, Christian, you, you know the guy. You play with the guy. Um, I'm assuming the way he reacts to wins and losses doesn't surprise you a bit. No, uh, you're right, Matt, because, I mean, it's, it's similar. Again, and that's what helps him coming from a place like Alabama. He's experienced these types of some ebbs and flows and wins and losses, so he understands, and he understands the correct approach in, in, in terms of going about it and in, in looking forward um, to the next opportunity, right? Because um, he's been with us when we lost to Alabama. He's been with us when we won, and we won following the loss. So he knows that it's not the end of the road here. Yeah, it hurts now. It's going to hurt for a long time, and it's going to be on his mind for the rest of his life. But there's going to be more opportunities. He's young. He knows in his head he's just scratching the surface, and he knows now, hey, I can compete with the best of them because he knows he played great in that game. He did what he had to do. Yeah, that, that fumble was costly, but – Realistically, I mean, they very well could have and should have won that football game. So I think he's going to take that with him and just know moving forward, you know, they still got to clean up some little things, but the sky's the limit, and and he ultimately should be back on that stage again. Christian, do you think it helps? Maybe this is an obvious question, but do you think it helps uh, once you get to the NFL that you've had experience playing in national championship games, SEC championship games, hundred percent, or, or games get games in general that are just very high profile in college. One hundred percent. 
you know, anytime you play a game of that magnitude, now obviously the Super Bowl is the pinnacle. It's the apex of uh, of a football game, right? But, you know, playing a national championship is, is pretty dang close, right? I mean, it's, it's you know, just at, at a different level. You know, you're in the college ranks. But I, 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 without a, uh, you know, without a doubt, you know, it, it provides so much experience for you for when you do play on that stage because um, you know how to, to how to approach the game. You know there's going to be distractions. You know how to properly handle those distractions. You know how to, you know, keep your composure and poise under immense pressure, um, like playing in a big game like this. So, oh, I 100% agree with you, Lars. I, I think a guy like Jalen who has experience playing in those big games um, definitely benefited from that and in going into the Super Bowl and performing the way he did. And hey, you know, I, sorry, Matt. Just one more thing. Uh, whenever they were doing the quarterback sneak, the Eagles were. I was just like, "There's no way they're stopping Jalen." I mean, the guy squats 600 pounds. Well, not only that, he, he had you know guys that also squat 500, 600 pounds pushing them, pushing, <laughs> pushing them too. So yeah, yeah. Do you like that? But, rule? But yeah, that, but is that yeah, okay that, with that you? That raises the question: Do you think they're going to outlaw that play? That's a great question, guys. I I can't say that. I wouldn't be surprised if they take a look at it. Um, but I mean, I, look, I mean, I mean, you can pretty much do that anywhere on the field. Even you, you see it sometimes when your running back gets stood up by a defender. He's not really going down. You see linemen going there. Now you're not allowed to run in there and just throw your body and just go nail people. You're not supposed to. At least guys still do it. But I mean, if you're just pushing the guy from behind, I mean, I, I guess it's somewhat fair. I mean, it is <laughs> quite the advantage, but. I think it's smart. I don't know whoever came up with the concept, but whoever did uh, is a smart person. But I'll tell you what else is a great concept is that fake jet motion that the Chiefs kept going to. They scored twice off of it. Yeah. Man, you expose man coverage like this, I'm telling you, that that is genius philosophy because they know when they're in man, the guy responsible for that receiver is supposed to run full, spree, full speed across the line with his guy, not to mention he's already off the ball five, six, seven yards. To fake a jet motion, it's almost like a pre-snap whip route. That receiver puts his foot in the ground and just takes a straight, uh, you know, uh, flat route. Oh, man, for a red zone call, brilliant. And especially when you know, and you heard Mahomes on the copy. I'm pretty sure he was saying, cover zero, comes out. He knew they're in man. He already knows he he's gonna he has a great chance of hitting that guy because, again, he's going to have separation. There's no way that DB – the DB is reacting. He can't just stop on a dime like the receiver can. The receiver knows what he's doing. So to call those in the red zone – Oh man, that those brilliant play calling. So that concept right there, you got to tip your hat to Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy because those guys, man, are as good as it gets when it comes to offensive play calling and putting your guys in position to make plays. I yeah, sure, I sure hope Bieniemy gets a no. head coaching opportunity. Eric, Has he yeah. not just kicked butt everywhere he's been? Yeah, I mean he's been with the Andy Reid. I think the issue with Bieniemy and Christian, correct me if I'm wrong is the fact that he is not actually calling the plays. Like, it's basically Andy Reid, I believe. Yeah, I'm not sure, Lars. I mean, I'm sure they both kind of have a hand in the pot, but you're right, and I'm sure Andy Reid does take a lot of responsibility. But even with that being said, I think you at least need to give the guy a look and give him an opportunity to, to be a head coach because, I mean, look, he, he's now been a part of, of what they're forming as a little dynasty in the, in the league, so to speak, what it looks like. So... I would, if I'm hiring a head coach, I'd give him a shot. He obviously has something going. I mean, yeah, he has Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid alongside him, but you can't discredit anything that he's done because he's a large contributing factor as well. 
two Super Bowl wins in five seasons, five straight AFC Championship game appearances, and one in three against the Bengals. Okay, so he had he see, oh. Matt. He had to throw that in, Matt. He had Did to Nebraska throw that in. went over the weekend, Lars. At least let us know that. Did that pitiful basketball team get a win? Never mind. Never mind. Yeah, they beat Speaking Wisconsin up, in uh, overtime. Basketball, huge win for Alabama on the road. At Auburn, very, very difficult to do, yet they did it, and they did it without even a, a, a really – it was an average at best performance by Brandon Miller. We'll talk the color analyst, Brian Passink, in a moment. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Come join our crew. Visit DCH's Mardi Gras-themed nurse recruitment event on Thursday, February 16th from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. at Harris. Actually sunny, the high 68. Wednesday, mostly cloudy and mild. A good chance of showers during the day, possibly a thunderstorm. The high 73. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 64 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Welcome back into the program. Matt, Josh, Joe, Christian, Lars, Aiden. Everybody's in the house. Lars, did you happen to look at the Associated Press basketball poll today? Have not. The number one team in, in the nation resides at the Capstone. You know, Kansas got dumped over the week. Kansas, I think, you know, Purdue has lost their last two games. Indiana. And then they lost to Northwestern. But anyway, they are number one. They're the number one color analyst for a radio broadcast in the nation is Brian Passing. <laughs> and he joins us now. How you doing, Brian? I'm doing great. Is that how that works? If if your team that yes, you cover sure is. is number one, you're number one? Yep. I, you know what? That's... Since I've never experienced this, um, I didn't know the rules. But, hey, sounds good. So uh, I'll I'll have to get myself a plaque or something your, for that. So thank you. Your national your yep. national profile has just been elevated. <laughs> everybody's everybody's going to be uh, listening yeah, to you. Yeah, five thousand hey, more followers. Yes. Uh, hey, before we get into uh, uh, Alabama basketball, just your thoughts on the Super Bowl last night. Well, I thought. Uh, <laughs> You know, I'm I'm not exactly um, the number one PR man for uh, for officials, um, but I try to bite my tongue. Um, not everybody can do that on the radio. I try to, but uh, boy, as a neutral observer, and I was rooting for the Eagles just because of all the the Bama former Bama players uh, on the Eagles and uh, former Alabama quarterback Jalen Hurts, uh, of course, and. Yeah, I thought that call at the end was really frustrating. I uh, would have loved to see Jalen with a chance to, to win that at the end. But it was a great Super Bowl. It was a lot of fun, great game. Just hate that it, it ended the way it did. Brian, Alabama routed Auburn 77-69 at Auburn this over the weekend. Do you mind breaking down that game and what you saw from that performance? Yeah, I thought it, it was not Alabama's best performance. Um, Brandon Miller, who's – not just 
maybe best player in the country. I think uh, he, he's also one of the best shooters. I think he's top 10 nationally in three-point percentage. He was coming into the weekend. And for Brandon to go 0 for 7, for Alabama to struggle from the free throw line, and for Wendell Green uh, to light it up, a guy that's been very much up and down, um, you know, I thought that would be a recipe for a loss and a tough place to play against your rival, uh, a desperate Auburn team who needed a win. I think they had lost four out of five. Uh, so for Alabama to be able to win that game when the, the threes weren't falling, Brandon Miller didn't have a typ- typical game, um, was is just a testament of how tough this team is, the fact that they can get it done on the defensive end, uh, that they can uh, – attack the basket when the threes aren't falling. They can win a lot of different ways, and they had to do it and face some adversity uh, on the road against a rival. So impressive win for Alabama when, you know, it's so, when, you, when you're pretty good, which obviously Alabama's pretty good, uh, maybe even better than that. But it's, I think, the mark of, of a, a team that has a chance to be great when you can win on nights or afternoons when – shots aren't falling and you don't have your best stuff and it's maybe not your A game. I didn't think Saturday was Alabama's A game, uh, but for them to win by eight points uh, against Auburn, uh, who I thought played pretty well, and it's a pretty good team. Uh, th- that was an impressive performance. And uh, listen, as an Alabama guy, there's not a whole lot sweeter than going into Auburn and seeing the, the sad faces in orange and blue walking out. And that was Definitely the case on Saturday afternoon. First, I want to ask you how loud it was. What was louder, uh, when Auburn took a 10-point lead or when Craig made a 94-foot putt for a car? (laughs) (laughs) Both both were pretty loud. Uh, Listen, I'll tell you, I I thought the the loudest building I've been in this year uh, was at Houston. I mean, that, that place was, to me, louder than than uh, what I experienced Saturday. Uh, Auburn is, is you know, they, they have a, a great atmosphere. Um, you know, if, if you've ever been there, you don't really realize how small it is until you're there. But it looks, it, it's loud, it looks great on TV, um, and it is a tough place to play. And I think a, a reason why is because Auburn is pretty good, and they've been, they've been pretty good. So it's, it's a tough building, uh, but I think that's why Nate Oates plays the, the difficult schedule that he does each and every year. Last year, the number one overall strength of schedule. I think this year it may end up being the number one overall strength of schedule at the end of the season. And, you know, it's why you play Houston on the road, who was number one at the time. Uh, it's why you play Michigan State and UConn and, and North Carolina and Gonzaga. I mean, this is a program that is now in the national spotlight, obviously, and playing one of the most difficult or the difficult, most difficult schedule in the country. And so when you go on the road in a rivalry game, which Alabama had Saturday and we'll have on Wednesday night, uh, maybe you're a little more prepared than you otherwise would be. And hopefully uh, that helps Wednesday night against Tennessee. I think it, it was, uh, it, it was definitely helpful on Saturday against Auburn. Brian, this might be a bit of a surreal question for you. Uh, I, I've only lived here since about 2004, and obviously this is the best Alabama basketball team I've ever seen. But what would it mean if Alabama, in their position now to actually do this, 
to be the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament. Just in in in, in practicality, what 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 would that mean to Alabama? Well, I think it'd be great. I mean, I I don't think it would. To me, it wouldn't be um, anywhere near the significance of of winning an SEC regular season title, SEC tournament title, or getting to a Final Four and having a chance to win the national championship. Uh, Seeding is great. Rankings are great. uh, But it's what you do with that. And you want to be in a position to make a run. Obviously, if you're the number one overall seed or a a top two seed, uh, top two or three seed, um, you've got a chance to make a run. And to me, that's the important part of having a great seed and if potentially, I mean, that, listen, there's so much basketball to be played. Um, that would be great. Like if, if, if you told me Alabama was going to be the number one overall seed, um, I would be excited because to me, that would mean uh, you'd be cutting down the nets uh, as SEC champions. Uh, because I don't think without, if, if you're, if you're winning a bunch of games and you have a chance to do that, then you won a championship. And to me, uh, that's a big deal. And and then what you do with that seed, that'll determine how great your year is and how this team will be remembered. At this point, I mean, 25 games in, it's as good a record after 25 games as Alabama has ever had. Uh, but how this team will be remembered is what you do from here on out. This team has uh, a ton of potential. They've, they've shown it. They've, they're number one in the country uh, right now. So it's hard to argue uh, with the success, and I think as Alabama fans, we should enjoy it, um, savor this moment, and just hope it continues. As players, you're trying to beat Tennessee, and that's the focus. Um, you know, Alabama ranked number one for the first time since 0203, and you look at the schedule, and uh, you know the analytics are so impressed. You know, Kim Palm is predicting a loss Wednesday against Tennessee, so. You know, it's nice, and it is It is really cool. I think it, it, it's a testament to what NATO, the staff, and these players have done. Uh, they deserve so much credit for where this program is nationally. Uh, but as a player and a coach, those guys um, probably, you know, looked up and said, okay, cool, uh, now let's go get ready for the balls. And I'm sure that's the mindset, and uh, hopefully it'll, it'll mean they'll get another road victory. But Wednesday will not be easy against Tennessee. They're really good. Uh, they're coming off a couple of absolutely heartbreaking buzzer beater lo- buzzer beating losses, so they'll be ready to roll. And I'm sure that nobody was more excited to see that Alabama was number one than the Tennessee Volunteers, because it's not many opportunities you have a chance to to take down the number one team in the country on your home floor. Um, yeah, I was part of it that did that in college, beat number one Arkansas in Coleman Coliseum, and it's a memory I'll never forget. I was so glad that Arkansas was ranked number one when they came into our building uh, back in 94, and I'm sure the Tennessee Volunteers feel the same way about Alabama. Brian, Nate Oates was quoted saying, it's nice to be number one, but it doesn't really mean anything. And he, he went on to say uh, what we've heard from Coach Saban, he classified it as a potential rat poison. Is that something that you worry about or that you have a concern about, that, that maybe the number one ranking in, in – uh, all the attention this team is getting right now, that uh, could that potentially be rat poison and uh, maybe kind of alter, you know, how they're playing in the going forward? Potentially. And, yeah, that would be a concern. Um, it's maybe a little less of a concern just because of the maturity that this team has shown. They're young, but they've shown a lot of maturity. 
what, what I think is probably the more likely scenario is all of a sudden uh, you have an even bigger target on your back. Tennessee's even a little more fired up. Mm. So you're going to get everybody's best shot. Um, you know, Alabama football uh, knows all about that. Alabama basketball is starting to get some of that this year. I mean, it's just it's a different vibe walking into opponent's building this year as in years past. Um, you know, there's lines wrapped around the building two hours before the game. They're, they're having whiteouts and blackouts and sold-out buildings. So it's different, and they're excited about uh, playing Alabama. They, they were excited about playing a, having a chance to be a top-five team. Now, all of a sudden, the number one team in the country is just going to ramp that up even more. So uh, I think this young group um, will take that as a challenge, and, and hopefully you know, there's some pressure with playing is the number one team in the country. And hopefully uh, they'll be able to um, be able to win games with a little more pressure on them because that's what tournament basketball is about. That's what uh, the SEC NCAA tournament are all about. So maybe this will help them from an experience standpoint. But one thing uh, I'm pretty confident in is Alabama is about to get everybody's best shot uh, with that number one uh, next to their oh, name. Yeah. Yeah, and they can uh, go talk to Nick Saban about that because that's been going on for, what, 15 years now? <laughs> uh, but uh, we all know about Brandon Miller. I mean, he may be the best player in the nation. He, I, I think he is the best freshman. But and, and, and most of us know about Noah Clowney. But some of these other guys that Nate Oates has gotten assigned with Alabama, and, and the perfect example Saturday was Ryland Griffin. I mean, God, what a super – and, in fact, Oates said, we're not winning this game without him. Um, he was super. I, I don't think sometimes, and I kind of asked you this last week, Brian, do we really know the depth of this team? Because one, somebody off that bench is going to step up. Yeah, listen, this this team has a ton of depth. And Ryan Griffin uh, is a big reason why I think that Alabama clearly has the best freshman class in college basketball because – yeah, I mean, everybody knows Brandon Miller, Noah Clowney. Uh, Jaden Bradley was McDonald's All-American. Ryland Griffin uh, was not someone who I think uh, most of the experts predicted would be an impact player in his first year. But, boy, has he, and he's gotten better and better as the year's gone on. Uh, we knew he could shoot the ball, and he has shot it extremely well. I- I'm really surprised by his maturity and toughness and the improvement he's made on the defensive end. He had a sequence in the game on Saturday where Wendell Green was was lighting Alabama up, and, and Rylan comes in the game, looks like Wendell's open for three blocks a shot, comes down on the other end, and, and puts it right in Wendell Green's uh, face and knocking down a three. It was a huge sequence in the game. Uh, Six-point swing, all done by Rylan Griffin. So uh, he is uh, a terrific young player uh who's getting better and better and you know he and I, I agree that you know maybe Alabama doesn't win that game without Rylan Griffin but uh he he is someone who all of a sudden is becoming a, a key player and an impact player on this team and just gives this team even more depth than they already had all right, let's pretend that Rick Barnes, uh, the Tennessee head coach, calls you and offers you a million dollars to uh, give him the plan of how you would attack the Alabama 
basketball team uh, from the offensive side or how you would just play Alabama, what would that be? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, listen, uh, for a million, I don't know. I might, uh, I might have to give him a secret. Here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is yeah. This I, is basically, like I'm just asking for the question. secret sauce. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, be- better, better people than 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 all of us have tried to come up with that secret sauce and, and failed. Um, you know, it, it's it's one of those things where you you can uh, you can know what you got to stop. You got to you got to defend dribble penetration against Alabama. You got to defend the three point line. You got to rebound um, and get get back in transition. And try to slow the game down. I mean, like that's that's not necessarily a secret. It's just really hard to do. Uh, Alabama has been able to impose their will on some really good teams, and I think um, Wednesday night is going to be their could very well be their toughest game of the year uh, against Tennessee, who is really good. Um, I think a national championship contender who's wounded got beat on back-to-back buzzer beaters, which is just crazy um, the, the way they've lost the last two games. They're, you're going to get their best shot, and they're really good. Uh, so life as number one will not be easy for the Crimson Tide, but, hey, I, I think uh, as fans we should enjoy it and appreciate where this program is. Absolutely. This feels like an upset game. Yeah, I, do. I, I agree 100%. Uh, but I'll let you say it first. Okay. Ah, <laughs> uh, so the jinx will be on you. Brian, thanks. Appreciate it very much. <laughs> Always enjoy it. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Brian Passing, former Alabama player, and the color analyst on basketball, Crimson Tide Sports Network. When we get back, we want to do some more basketball. You want to jump back? It's your call. You want to jump back Super to Bowl. the Super gotta, Bowl? Yeah. All right. Well, I can't let it go. Okay. Well, <laughs> um, We'll just stand back. Let's talk about the AFC Championship game. No, yeah, let's no. Talk about let's acting. talk about Lamar Chase being so wide open. I might need to You're take an early leave if we talk about the AFC Championship. Yeah. He might be, okay, he might be flying solo. <laughs> All right, let's go, let's get the break. We're way over. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. Research shows listeners prefer a personalized experience. So to help you remember, Liberty Mutual customizes your home insurance. We personalize this ad for Amber, who really misses boy bands from the 90s. And I think um, you want to cherish you want to cherish these moments. You want to cherish these moments with the people that you come so far with. You know, um, your family. Uh, your loved ones, your teammates, your peers, everyone that you you do it with and do it for, you know. And uh, I'm so proud of this team. You know, I will say I'm so proud of this team for everything that we've been able to overcome. Um, obviously, we had a, a big time goal in the end that we wanted to accomplish, and we came up short. You know, and I think the beautiful part about it is everyone experiences different pains. Everyone di- experiences different. Um, agonies of life but you decide if you want to learn from it you decide if you want to use that to be a teachable moment and i i know what i'll do so okay thanks everyone thank you that's jalen hurts post game super bowl 57 again handling it exactly the way those of us that have been following for the last six years exactly the way you have figured um I, I, I hope he gets back there again. I, I really do. 
I think the chances of Mahomes to get back there are better than Jalen's. Would you agree? Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, although, 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 you know what? Maybe I don't agree because Patrick Mahomes is going to have many more minefields to uh, run around than Jalen Hurts. Just because the AFC has so many good young quarterbacks, good young teams, uh, whereas in the NFC, uh, I, I think the NFC is an inferior conference right now. I hate hearing that because would I've you would you agree with that, Christian? Uh, I agree that the AFC definitely has a lot of young talent at quarterback. I'll give you that. I don't know if I'd necessarily say inferior, but I'll agree to your point on the quarterbacks. They do have. Um, a rich group of quarterbacks that are that are youthful and are phenomenal. I mean, you got Josh Allen, Pat Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Lars. Um, ding, ding, ding! Yeah, they, they, you know, you he asked this question just to bait you into I, saying trust, Joe Burrow. I know, I know, but I, you got to give it to him. So that, yes, it, I mean, but 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 I will say, I think the the you know, big battle for the Eagles too is how can they kind of maintain this team? Yeah, their playmakers, you know, on offense are young, but. On defense, they're losing star. Well, not losing, but in free agency, you got uh, James Bradbury, Fletcher Cox, T.J. Edwards, uh, Epps, Car- uh, C.J. Jar- Gardner Johnson, Javon Hargrave, um, Linval Joseph, Miles Sanders. All those guys are starters who are pending free agents um, in this offseason. So um, it's going to be uh, you know interesting to see how they kind of keep their team together. Now again, you got guys like A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and Jalen who all be there. Their core looks like their offensive line should be there as well. So that that's good news. But um, you know, it's always tough to to keep keep uh, to keep a team together in the National Football League with things like salary caps and, and and all the things that go on behind the scenes in the front office. So I think that's their biggest battle is you know keeping that core together. But I think what we've learned is as long as they have that that stout offensive line, their playmakers on the outside, and Jalen at quarterback, and can get a defense that can help them. Um, as well, I think they have a great chance of, of making it back to the Super Bowl. Christian, I don't know if, uh, and I'm not asking if you wager a dime here and there, but we all know that Lars does. So I want to step away from what happened on the field or what happened in his head yesterday. Uh, t- yeah. Tell him your first bet so we can Uh-oh. all just get that all out right. of the way. Okay. Stop, stop yeah. laughing. Oh, yeah. let's, let, let's really like break this down. Okay. We're talking the coin flip. Yeah. The coin flip. And for those of you who think Wait, it you, is you bet on the coin 50, flip? 50, yes, he bet. did. Of course. Yeah. Wow. Everybody thinks it's a 50-50 proposition. Not so. Absolutely not so. It's actually 51-49. Uh, according to several studies that I have uh, researched... <laughs> I'm serious. Uh, the 51% of the time, the uh, whatever is facing up at the time of the flip is going to finish up. 51% of the time. And so... Um, Boy, that, that legitimizes the bet. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. So, <laughs> so there's that to take into account. Um, no. So I... Um, w- I've had to call several like heads or tails being a, a team captain of uh, whatever high school sport it was. Mm-hmm. And I always called heads. 
always heads. Because I thought heads is like the manly way to go. The manly way to go. <laughs> hey, and I know the phrase. I, I never should have asked. And I'm I know sorry. the phrase, oh, okay. tails never fails, tails never fails. So what did you, what did you, um, what did you choose? But, I went with heads. But but so Chris, but I need to ask you, Christian. Like I, I'm sure you've been a team captain uh, at different points in your life. What would you choose? I think it all just depends on the day, Lars. I mean, I don't have analytics with it, man. <laughs> I think it just you know sometimes <laughs> I'm feeling heads, sometimes I'm feeling tails. I, I mean, I've never heard of the 5149 rule. I, I mean, to, to answer your question, in college when I was a captain. Uh, typically, Coach Saban would give us the call. You know, before we walked out with the captain's walk, he would just tell us what is, what to call. We we discuss that. Then we really, yeah. Uh, okay, so okay. That, I mean, hey, that, now, that, now we're making some headway. That, that's, that's some revealing information. It, it's very revealing. <laughs> oh, you thought <laughs> well, we just came up with it? <laughs> yeah. Thought, you think, yeah, you'd be giving them. Heck no. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Time out, everybody. Wait a minute. Let's rethink this, Lars. We are talking about Nick Saban. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. He included. The the uh, what do you want to call it custodians in his first meeting? That's true. You know he yeah. he is very detailed. So I guess now I'm kind of backing up. Maybe I'm not surprised. Do you know if it was always one or did he alternate one one week heads, one week tails? That's a great question. I I honestly don't remember. Um, I, I I'd imagine it would alternate, but yeah, I, I don't. I'm For not some too sure. reason my 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 crazy father instilled in me that a real man calls heads. <laughs> I have no idea why. Sounds like I'm toxic just, masculinity, Lars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Any, anyway, anyway, I, I, I threw some money down on heads, and, of course, it was tails. Hey, we, we got more. Uh, so I lost, ta- I, I lost that. Oh, so okay. right, But you won another it, one. I want to get into but, that. Even before toe met leather, I was in the hole last night. Dang. Yeah, but you got it back, and we'll talk about that more. Let's take a yeah. break, get our final break of the show out of the way. When we come back, we'll talk to uh, this now, what I truly believe is an addict. Have you seen <laughs> GA? Oh, gosh. Isn't that what it's called? Gambler's Gambler's Nine? And I am totally kidding because you, you don't have a problem. You like you have fun with it, and I and I know you. I don't, mean, I, I, as long as he's like okay 10, with it, with, with, with losing, and he's not yeah. going off the edge, we're good. <laughs> no, no. Uh, he is not doing that. But uh, we are going to tell you at least one other bet that he made, and he won. And it was uh, well, I it wasn't a 51-49% prop. a broken prop. leg this morning, Christian. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they get you, did they find you in O'Hare? <laughs> yes. In whatever that Delta Crown Room is? Roughed you up? Yes. Back in a minute. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside, this is Big Noon Sports. <laughs> Hear ye, hear ye. Thanks for coming to the town square. First, I'd like to tell you about Steve. He's a plumber. I hear he does good work. Also, Tim. Really sunny, the high 68. Wednesday, mostly cloudy and mild. A good chance of showers during the day, possibly a thunderstorm. The high 73. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 67 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Lars, I don't really even know what the line was. The Eagles were favored by one and a half? 1.5. What was the over-under? Uh, I got 50.5. Where'd you go? 
Of course I took the Eagles to win and the under. Okay, let's brag about the one you got right. <laughs> I Actually, I got three right. And, and I took, um, obviously, heads. Yeah. Uh, and it was tails. So I lost that one. So that's 0-3. Um, I want your victories. Uh, but, yes. So one bet, and I thought this, I, I should have, like, like, mortgaged the house on this one. One bet was that Jalen Hurts, the over-under on number of carries he would have for the game was 10.5. I took the over on that one. Easy money. Uh, he had 15 carries. Oh, good for um, you. I also uh, bet $20. So I, I'm not a... You know, you, you, guys, bet you, guys, you guys think I'm a... Yeah. So no. I, I bet 20 bucks that uh, the first person to score a touchdown would be Jalen Hurts. Boom. Winner. Uh, won 100 bucks from that one. But that was only 5-1? to one? I would have yeah. thought that had been a little... Well, maybe not. Who do you think the favorite was to score the first touchdown? Oh, no, that's a great question. Christian, this is not a betting question. Just who do you think would have been the first one to score a touchdown other than Jalen Hurts? Uh, Travis Kelsey. On either team. Smith. Yeah, there you go. Boom. Uh, Travis Kelsey. Smith, yeah. but, uh, it's, uh, uh, Christian's obviously played a little bit of football in his life. Um, and then, uh, this is why I'm really mad about the penalty, uh, that late holding penalty. Uh, here, because the, the over-under... <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. we're finding out now, aren't we? <laughs> the over-under on the total number of uh, pass attempts by Patrick Mahomes is 29.5. So I need to get him to 30. Right, and he finishes with twenty-seven. Uh, so if they hadn't called the penalty, he might have thrown a couple. I, of I don't know if he would have got three well, passes okay, in there true. anyway, Lars. Uh, yeah, I'm not I sure don't think either. So either. But but hey, this is something that uh, Christian, that Matt and I were discussing during the break. Do you think there's a possibility that the NFL should review the holding call and rather than make it an automatic first down? Make it a uh, um, spot foul. Spot foul, um, and the down remains the same. Not an automatic first down. Uh, I, I think that's something to look at. I mean, here's my thing. I'm all for reviewing any and every call, especially if it uh, is um, a pivotal call, uh, a call that can change the tra- uh, trajectory of a football game or any game in any sport. I'm all for the more reviews, the better, um, because why not be accurate and get things right? So then we're not having these discussions uh, on a Monday morning about uh, what should have been called or what should not have been called. I mean, if we're reviewing everything, going to cameras and asking everybody, hey, I mean, I think that's better. I'm all for more reviews and more, um, you know, just getting things right, being as accurate as possible. All right, Chris, as we wrap up, totally off the gridiron here. Did you watch? Did you look, listen for commercials? Did you enjoy halftime? Or And I will tell y'all, when commercials came on, I started talking to my friends. I was when re- halftime came on, <laughs> I went out back, smoked a cigar with my buddy. So I have no idea really what was running. Did you pay any attention to that? I didn't really watch commercials, if I'm being honest with you. I, I think I, I was talking around my phone during the commercials. And then halftime, um, so uh, believe it or not, I, I was painting all day. I bought a new house, and I was painting all day. And I actually you know, cleaned up and showered around halftime, and I just turned it on on my phone uh, so I could hear it. But it sounded like it went good. Um, sounded like it was a, a good performance, and 
I mean, you know, Rihanna's very talented. I didn't realize how many songs of hers I, I knew, but uh, <laughs> I thought it was a pretty good uh, performance. Yeah. I thought Rihanna was absolutely terrific, and you know she obviously revealed that um, she's pregnant, and she looked beautiful. She was glowing, and I, I I just thought it was one of the better halftime performances that I've seen. I think number she one, number one has to be Prince. A little bit, I think. She has to be Prince. Yeah. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Uh. Well, Prince is way up there in performance. The national yeah, anthem, though, Chris right. Stapleton, the national anthem was, was great. He it was good. ripped it. Yeah. Uh, what was the over-under on the uh, time? Yeah, you I would have yeah, bet yeah. over on uh, the national uh, anthem. I, I stayed away from that, but I don't know. Well, hey, uh, Christian, as we roll out and look forward to tomorrow, who moved you? Oh, I haven't. I haven't even. Uh, I've just started the painting process. I haven't even moved. I still have my other house. I have two houses right now. So if anybody's looking to rent a house, let me know. I got oh, okay. one for you. <laughs> uh, uh, okay. Uh, uh, I'm texting you right now, Christian. <laughs> 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 I need a place in T Town. Let me know. You know, when people find out you bought a house or you're moving, suddenly they don't answer your calls. You oh, yeah, I mean? that's true. <laughs> well, I like to it do a lot of it myself. Takes a real. So. I have some good yeah. friends who well, probably help me out. Lars and I would break a limb, you know. But anyway, all right, great show. Appreciate you getting Corey on. Your dad's marvelous, the pastor of pain. Thank you, Lars. Thank you, Christian. Thank you, Joe, Josh, Aiden. Have a great remainder of the day. Come join our crew. Visit DCH's Mardi Gras-themed nurse recruitment event on Thursday, February 16th from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. at Harrison Galleries on 